Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And this weekend, I thought I'd talk about our mission as a church and bring it into traditional church so everybody understands why we're doing traditional church. And next week, we'll be in the building. It will still be 8 a.m., but then uh, we'll go to 10 a.m. and stay there after Easter. So uh, you can see the service times. These are our new service times. They begin on Easter, which you're aware of. And uh, we were doing 8 a.m. for traditional, and I was inviting guys where I work out uh, come to church, and they're like all excited. You have a traditional church? I like traditional music. I go, yeah. Then I say, it's 8 a.m., and they'd say, not going. It's too early. And I thought older people would like an early service. Thing. I've got to take my medicine around that time, uh, so I'm, I'm not coming. I said, okay, okay. Um, so one of our leaders had the idea, what if we made it 10? And we thought about it, and I said, that can work, that can work. So it'd be a little tighter, um, and we're moving our 1045 to 11, but it, it can work. So I thought, what a great weekend to, first of all, say why we're doing traditional. Um, when I started Believers, my goal was simply to reach um, people that want a contemporary service. So that's what we've done. We've wrapped Jesus in a contemporary worship service. We have lights and screens and all those things. And we have incredible worship, but it's contemporary. And about eight years ago, God dealt with me uh, to reach traditional people. And I was shocked because I, I just always felt other churches will do that. That's not for believers. But he stirred me up. And I remember about eight years ago, I start calling uh, churches that work traditional, saying, can we rent your facility? Nobody would rent us a facility. Uh, but then the pastor over here uh, that was in this church, they decided to close it down, and they, they called me and said, we're going to put it on the market for sale. Are you guys interested? And then we went ahead and bought it, and then we had to renovate it, which you guys were so generous in doing. So we'll be in there next week at 8, and then Easter will start at 10, 10 a.m. So next weekend, we're just working out the kinks. But here's why we're doing a traditional service. Uh, the way the service looks is we always do two hymns. Then we do uh, a hymnish song. It's like an old song that's kind of hymnish. And it's a piano and voices. No lights, no show. And it's for people that want that. And then we partake of the Lord's Supper every week. And we say the Our Father after worship every week together. And then I do the same exact message. So it's for people that that's their heart. And I realize the majority of you were drawn here because of this, but here's what I do want to say to you. Begin to ask yourself, who are some folks you know that you can say, hey, come check out the 10 a.m. service at Believers and encourage them to come because uh, we may be able to, to, to connect with them. And there's only one reason I connect with anybody, and that reason is to bring them to Christ, and that reason is to grow them in Christ. And that's why we want to connect with anybody we connect with. And if you've been part of Believers any length of time, that, that's what we do. So I have a big idea for this lesson. This is my big idea. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. Our mission is to find the lost and turn the found into followers. So we know our vision is we exist to see a city connected with God. And how do you do that? Well, you do it by finding the lost and turning the found into followers or disciples. A follower is a disciple. And so there's different ways you can say it, 
But I thought for this lesson, make this our big idea because sometimes we don't know what it means to connect someone with God. Well, to connect someone with God means they accept Christ as their savior and that is miraculous. Uh, We can't force anybody to accept Jesus. And then they make a decision to follow him. So here's something that's really helped me over the years. I realize that I cannot force anyone to accept Jesus, but I realize God will work on their hearts so they do. And so I just pray that way. I say, Lord, open up people's hearts because I remember the day when God opened up my heart and I saw Jesus for who he is. And I'll never forget, Lou Lou talked to me for three months and then he said, turn on this Christian show. I turned it on and I knelt down at the end in my office and I prayed and accepted Jesus. And Lou was kind of crazy because I started going to a Bible study with him and he looked at me and he said, now if someone tells you to deny Jesus and they pull your fingernails off, are you gonna deny him? I said, I don't want to think about that, but I don't think I would deny Jesus, but that's an unpleasant thought, right? I've never had that happen, rather not have that happen, right? Um, But he was that crazy. And I said, all I know, Lou, is I love Jesus and I'm going to follow him with a passion. And sometimes it's more difficult to follow him in a time of peace. You know what I'm saying? When everything's going well, that's usually the most difficult time to follow Jesus. And so it's a miracle when God opens up your eyes and you see Jesus as your savior. And I feel there's a real harvest field out there for traditional people that maybe they go to a church where they're not talking about that. And they're church people, they go to church, but they haven't met Jesus yet. And nobody's doing an altar call. Nobody's telling them, hey, you don't go to heaven because you're part of a church. You don't go to heaven because you were water baptized. You go to heaven because you see Jesus as the Messiah and you accept him as your Lord. So I thought we would talk about that first. And there is a cool uh, just quote from C.S. Lewis. If you've, Most of you know who C.S. Lewis is. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. They made a great couple movies out of it. And then he wrote a lot of nonfiction books. And one of his nonfiction, book, uh, nonfiction books is called Mere Christianity, M-E-R-E, Mere Christianity. And somebody handed that to me when I was a young Christian, and it rocked my world. So if you, he's in heaven, but if you want to read a great book, read Mere Christianity. It changed my life because it challenged me to follow Jesus after I accepted Jesus. We go to heaven because we accept him, but he does want us to follow him so we can become free in every area of our life. So it's really, really cool. So here's what C.S. Lewis said. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ and to make them little Christ. And all he means by that is a follower, Christ-like, acting like Christ. If we are not doing that as the church, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself simply is a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. And all he's saying is it's so easy to play church, and we don't wanna just play church. We wanna make sure that we are literally going after what's important to God. What's important to God? To turn people to Christ and then turn them into little Christ. And that's why we're gonna talk about that first. And then we'll talk about the second part. Our mission is to find the lost. We wanna talk about that first. So let's talk about finding the lost. And if, if you were to ask me, why did Jesus come? The number one reason I would have to say to save us, right? You'd have to say to save us. But I just want you to stop and think about it. According to the Bible, and I believe this, he's the son of God who always existed. He's the son of God who created the universe. That's a pretty big deal. But he decided to come to the earth. 
And he could have came maybe in a full-grown body, but he decided to be born as a baby. So just think about that. I see so many kids in our lobbies these days, and I'm just so happy about it. Great job, guys. And, and uh, I know from my daughters having young ones, um, babies are 100% dependent on their mamas, right? They're 100% dependent. And they can't do life without their mamas. And that first couple years, they need mama, and that's all they need, and they can't survive. So think about the Son of God who created everything. His spirit, the real God, Jesus, came into a human body, and he allowed his mama to take care of him. Think about that. She changed his diaper. Jesus had to have his diapers changed. I know he's the Son of God who always existed, but he had his diaper changed. Uh, She had to feed him. I mean, that's crazy. And he experienced everything that we experienced. But why did he come? Why did Jesus come? And, and this, this is the center of the gospel. Uh, listen to Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the number one reason Jesus came, to come and seek and save the lost. And I know in my life as a Christian when I first accepted Jesus, I was really fired up because my life did a 180, right? So when your life does a 180, it just kind of comes out of you. Everybody I talk to, I say, you need Jesus. Jesus changed my life, right? And, and that's awesome. Uh, but then I lost that, and I realized I have to focus on the most important thing in the world, right? It's not just going to church. It's not the cathedrals. It's not just having a Bible lesson that's like a TED Talk, you know, just self-improvement kind of lesson, which that's okay to have something like that. But it's all about Jesus. That's the number one reason he came. And God wants that in our hearts. So Jesus, he did something crazy. The disciples were upset with him. Uh, He's in Samaria, and he sees a woman drawing water at noon, which means uh, she was an outcast because everybody went in the morning. But uh, she was an outcast. She was married five times. Uh, the, the community had rejected her. And the Jews did not like Samaritans because they were half Jews. And they took the Bible and changed its meaning, the Jewish Bible. And then Jewish men were not allowed to talk to women. <clears throat> and so here he is in public talking to a woman and the disciples are blown away. So they became upset with him and they went and got lunch. They said, all right, you won't listen to us, Jesus. And they went and got lunch. So they come back and that lady had gone into her village to share about Jesus and bring a bunch of people back who actually accepted Christ as their savior. Um, but the disciples come back when she's in her village ready to bring people back. And they said, Jesus, you didn't have lunch. Have something to eat. And here's what he said. I have food that you don't know of. So they're thinking, did you put some Snicker bars in your, your pocket? I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? Did, did, did you cheat, Jesus? And he's like, no, no, no. I have food to eat that you don't know of. Yeah. And, and food fuels us. And he's saying, there's something else that's fueling me, not just food. We all need food. But he said, there's something else that's fueling me. And then he went on and said this, John 4, 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So we have to ask, what's, what is that? What's the will of him that sent him? What's the Father's will? But he lets us know in the very next verse. He says this in verse 35. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And he's not talking about the grain fields, the wheat, the barley. 
He's talking about human beings. And Jesus saw something that we sometimes have a difficult time seeing. He saw people that were waiting for an answer. And I think we live in a society today, guys, that's people are hungry. People are wondering what's the truth. And you know, we're not going to intellectually save them. Only Jesus can open up their eyes, but they're they are hungry, and there's so many people that are ripe, and that's what Jesus is saying. Then he says, you can even pray for this. Listen to how he said it in Matthew 9, 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, there's a lot of people that would accept Jesus if somebody talked to them. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so now he's saying we can pray to God the Father, the Lord of the harvest, and say, send somebody out there to bring people to Christ. So I want you to know, I pray for you guys every single week. I have a morning prayer time. And a couple times a week, I pray this way for you. I say, Father, and I always say myself included, put it in our hearts to win souls. Make us hungry to bring people to Jesus because I need, I need that stirred up in me regularly. So I always pray that way for you. I pray that way for me. But then there's another way to pray this. So you can pray that way for yourself. Um, another way to pray this is uh, when we have loved ones and relatives that won't listen to us. You know, I, you ever notice your relatives don't really want to hear what you have to say a lot of times? Um, and so you can pray and say this. I pray this a lot. Lord, would you send a harvester into my family, my loved one's life, that they will respect and they will listen to so they can share Jesus with them? And Gina and I have watched so many family members come to Christ. And I'll never forget... I received an email from my cousin who grew up here, but he was living out in California, and he's an executive at a company, and he emails me, and he says, hey, this guy I work with, really nice guy, he invited me to a connect group, and he says, it's this Rick Warren. He goes, is he, is he okay? I said, yeah, he's one of the best. Now, I know some people talk bad about him, but if you listen to him, he's amazing. And, and uh, I said, you're, you're in a good place, and so that coworker, he didn't want to hear it from me, but that coworker ended up bringing him to Christ, and he accepted Christ. Now when I see him, it's nice we're on the same page, right? But to me, one of the most remarkable was Gina's grandfather on her father's side. Grandpa on her father's side is now in heaven, but Gina and her sister were talking to him about Jesus, and he just looked at them and said, don't talk to me about Jesus. I don't want to hear about Jesus again. And that's, it's tough for a grandpa to say that to grandchildren. Grandchildren can almost do anything. I don't ever want to hear about Jesus again. And so they backed off, but he moved down to Florida with his wife, and there was a guy that was his neighbor, and this is how we prayed. And that guy connected with him. He really, really liked this guy. And then this guy invited him to church, a church like ours, and he accepted Christ. And I'll never forget the first time we were in Chicago when he was up there to visit in the summer, um, he's sitting in the living room reading this Bible in front of everybody. He doesn't care who knows. He doesn't care who knows about it. And he's just talking about Jesus with us. Now, guys, that's a miracle. That's a miracle when stuff like that happens. So you can pray that way for your loved ones, right? Because the harvest is plentiful. We just need more workers out there. So ask God to make you a worker. In other words, stir you up to pray for people that are lost, stir you up to invite people that are lost to church. And then pray, Lord... My relatives will not listen to a word I say, so would you send someone across their path so they will accept Jesus? And God will do that every single time. So the first part of the Great Commission is here in Mark 16, 15. Listen to this. And then he told them, 
You are to go into all the world and preach or share the good news to everyone. Jesus died. Jesus is the son of God. He died for your sins. God raised him from the dead. Uh, share the good news to everyone everywhere. Those who believe and are baptized will be saved, but those who refuse to believe um, will be condemned. And so no matter how you dress it up, he's saying you go to heaven by believing in Jesus. So if you know that, I don't know about you, but I want every loved one I know and every person I rub shoulders with to go to heaven. Don't, don't you want that? I want everybody I know to go to heaven. And I know this, it's an event. I know God opens our eyes to see it. And that makes it easier because every time I do an altar call, I realize it's not me. It's God dealing with hearts and opening hearts. And in first service, I saw these hands go up and it, it's cool. It's like, that's God. Only God can do that. I can't do that. I don't have to force my Jesus on anyone, but God will do that. So I, I want to close out this segment before we go to the next part of our big idea. And uh, I just want to talk about why we do an altar call here. Uh, I've had people say to me, altar calls aren't in the Bible. They're, they're far and few between. Usually they're really detailed people and they just get stuck on facts and it's like they can't see the big picture. So they say, why do you do altar calls? It's not in the Bible. And I go, well, it kind of is. Why do, you, why do you say the sinner's prayer with people? It's not in the Bible. I go, well, it's kind kind of is, right? And I'll never forget my other grandma, my mom's mom, I was able to bring her to Christ and after I prayed the sinner's prayer with her, she said, honey, and she came here when she was 30 from Italy. She goes, honey, and I, I do the broken English, but I'll mess it up. So I can't, I can't do accent. I can't do anything. Um, I have a pastor friend that is so good at doing imitations. He's so entertaining. I just wish I could be like John, but I can't. I can't do anything. But she, she, uh, she told me, honey, write this down. And I wrote down the sinner's prayer. She goes, I want to pray it every morning. I said, Grandma, you don't have to. You're kind of missing the point. You pray it one time. You believe. She goes, honey, it's so beautiful. I just want to pray it every day. And so she prayed it every day. And I don't think that hurt her. I just wanted to make sure she really believed, and she did. So why do, why do we do an altar call? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, notice something has to come out of your mouth. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's the supernatural part. Only God can Amen. let you see Jesus for who he is. Uh, you will be saved. That means you'll become a Christian. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In other words, there has to be this conversion moment in our lives, and it comes by us seeing Jesus for who he is, and then one way or another saying, I receive you as my Savior. So however you want to do it, you can do it you can do it a lot of ways. That prayer can be done a lot of ways, but it's all about you and I understanding people have to accept him. So I'm always believing that in every service, there's people that are ready. And I, I pray like this. I say, Lord, everybody that walks in this weekend, Father, have the Holy Spirit come upon them. And I didn't even know he was doing it to me when I was 19, but have the Holy Spirit come upon them and open their eyes up to Jesus. So I'm always believing for that to happen. And it's an incredible conversion. Listen to verses 12 and 13, Romans 10, 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So God divides people into two groups, the Jewish and the non-Jewish. Gentiles are non-Jews. So God divides the earth into two groups of people. So we're, we're all, most of us Gentiles, right? Uh, it says, for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. We all have to meet Jesus. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all 
who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's just you praying and saying, Jesus, I accept you. Now, here's what's cool about that. That's how we go to heaven. It's beautiful. But then the next part of our big idea is really important. Our mission is to find the lost and to turn the found into followers. And this we do not to go to heaven. We do this to become free. We do this to have our God dreams come to pass. We do this so that our lives can be impacting to others. And the last thing we want is to meet Jesus and then never go any further with God. So we don't have to go further to go to heaven, but man, if, if you want God to free you and change everything and give you a purpose and, and, and help you enjoy the life you're living because you're gonna go on an adventure, this is an adventure. It's a really cool adventure. So uh, here's where this is at, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples. This is the second part of all nations or in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice disciples are made, right? They're made. And so I'm constantly harping on this in every service. I'm constantly sharing scripture to help us go to the next level. And I love what he says in verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so a disciple is somebody that follows Jesus by finding out what he said. And then notice what he said, obeying it. So today we live in a, it's kind of like some people, not all. Uh, I think the grace message is wonderful. We all need to understand we're saved by grace and the grace of God, and we can't work our way into favor with God. But this is Jesus just before he went to heaven. And he said, church, you need to obey what I said. This is not me saying it. This is Jesus. Now, he'll give us grace to obey it. Isn't that awesome? But he wants us to obey his teachings. And this is what a disciple does. A disciple finds out what Jesus said, or a follower, and they put it into practice. And it's not easy. It's work for some of us, and I'll I'll tell you why. But this is important. I was sitting talking with Pastor Ryan, Joe Jr., my wife, and Aaron, and we're just trying to figure out how can we do this better? How can we be a church that makes disciples who make disciples. How can we do this better? So we're really praying our hearts out. If, if you would pray for us, say, God, give us wisdom to do that. Uh, again, it's by the grace of God. I can't make anybody become a disciple. I think we do pretty good, but I'm always wanting to do better. And I'm like, Lord, what can we do to turn your, your born-again Christian people here at Believers into disciples? And a disciple is just someone that says, that's what you said, Jesus? Okay. I'll do that. Okay, I'll do that. And we all go through stages. It's, it's, it's layer by layer. It doesn't happen immediately. And I like what Jesus said in Luke 14, 27. And, and if you do not carry your own cross or pick up your cross, Luke 9, 23 says daily, and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. So all Jesus is saying is in order to follow him, we've got to pick our cross up. So what does that mean? It's twofold. First part of picking up your cross means you, you nail your own desires to the tree and you say, Jesus, I'm willing to die to self. And that is not easy, right? That, especially some of the things Jesus asks us to do, that's never really simple, right? And so you know this if you've been hearing like the time. Before I met Jesus, I was a weekend binge drinker. I got silly drunk every weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, and then I got high every other night of the week 
And I'd, I'd close our gym and go in the locker room and get high. And I don't know how dumb I was, and then I'd drive home high. But I remember when I first accepted Jesus, I kind of walked away from it, but then I wanted to do it again. And I'm like, Jesus, you got to show me why I shouldn't. And I saw this scripture, be not drunk with wine. That's the will of God. And so to be drunk or high, that means you're out of control. So I said, all right, Jesus, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to, but it was hard. I had to nail that desire to the tree. That's a tough desire to nail to the tree. Um, But that's just saying to yourself, I'm going to obey Jesus and I'm not going to do this anymore. And then uh, before I met Gina, before I was a Christian, uh, I was very active sexually. And I'll never forget reading scripture that said, uh, I I don't want you to be active sexually until you're married. And I'm like, are you sure, Jesus, you created this thing? We always use excuses, like, you, you created this, it's, it's good. And, and I'll never forget nailing that to the tree and saying, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. That hurt too, that hurt too. But from the day I met Jesus until I was married, I was a virgin. Isn't that cool? I was a virgin for about five years, and I'm really excited about that. But this is nailing it to the tree. You can find out anything Jesus said. Jesus told us to forgive people. How many of you ever really feel like forgiving anyone, right? But you nail that desire to the tree and you say, I'm gonna die to myself and I'm going to forgive Jesus. You take anything he says. That's what a disciple does. That's why he says, do it daily. And then picking up your cross and following him also means you're willing to be rejected. The cross is referring to rejection. And can we all agree, if you talk about Jesus with people, uh, you may be rejected. And, and yet, if you know that's supposed to come, it's not that bad. You know, you just feel like, oh, all right. I'll be rejected. I don't care what people say when I walk away. I'm gonna plant a seed so they can come to know Jesus sometime. And so we just come to that place where we don't care about anything but Jesus. So that's what it means to be a disciple. Uh, And disciples are made. So we're trying to think, how can we get some different tracks here at Believers to help people become better disciples in Christ? And I know many of you, most of you are disciples, but just take us to the next level. Keep it in front of us and have us help other people become disciples. So again... Our mission is to find the lost and to turn the found into followers. Now, just so you know, uh, April 24th, that's the Sunday after Easter, we have another water baptism. So uh, maybe you're water baptized as a baby and you think, well, I accepted Jesus, but I was already water baptized. Well, if you study the scriptures, water baptism takes place after you meet Jesus. So I always tell people, don't throw away your certificates of baptism as a baby, keep those. But now that you accepted Christ, why not be water baptized? That's a commandment from heaven. That's the first step of being a disciple. So you might say, man, I don't want to go in this water. It's right here, you know. I don't want to go in this water in front of everybody. I mean, uh, I'm going to come out wet and I'm not happy with my weight. Are any of us happy with our weight? I don't think so. Um, You know, even skinny people aren't happy with their weight. Uh, They're usually the most unhappy, right? But it's like, you know what? It's just going public and saying, Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven. So it's the weekend after Easter, we'll be doing it in this service. So um, I would encourage you to do it. Now, let me just close with a couple stats. You ready for these? These are amazing. Uh, The highest attended service of the year is Easter. Did you know that? The second highest is Christmas. The third highest service of the year is Mother's Day. Would have never guessed that, but it is. 
Do you know why Mother's Day is the third highest? It, it competes almost with Christmas because the husband says to the wife, um, what would you like for Mother's Day? I want my whole family sitting in church next to me, right? Father's Day is one of the smallest services. <laughs> yeah, the wife says to the husband, what do you want for Father's Day? I want to sleep in or I want breakfast in bed or I want to go golfing or disc golfing, right? I, I mean... Uh, that's the difference. That's why Mother's Day is so high up there. But think about it. Easter's the highest attended service of the year. And then listen to this. This is like mind-blowing. 153 million on-church men and women, that's half our country, in the United States would attend an Easter service if they were invited. Think about that. Half the people in our nation that don't go to church, 153 million, they if somebody invited them, they would come to church. So here's why I share it. That's on Easter. People just growing up in America feel like I should go to church on Easter, right? We call them Christers, Easter and Christmas, right? Uh, they should go to church, right? So the harvest is really plentiful on Easter, right? To ask somebody. And then I love this stat too. 80% of people say they started attending church because they were invited by a friend. And I just want to say your invite is powerful. So why, do I, why did I do this message? Why did I talk about our mission? I think myself, I need stirred up to remember it and not to forget it. I want to make sure you understand why we do what we do. So why are we doing traditional church? I'm not doing traditional church just to give us another worship venue. Um, I'm doing it to reach people that don't come here. That, that's, what, that's the only way they'll come, right? So I'm doing it for that reason. And, you know, that's three services a weekend for me. Three services on Sunday. And some of you say, are you okay, man? Are you all right? And I, and I, I want to tell you, I go home after church on Sunday, and I literally go and swim 40 minutes after church. Uh, it kind of washes the day off me, you know, in one sense. But, and then I work out in the morning. I get up early, and I do my bike for an hour with uh, 10, 20-second sprints at the end. And... and uh, if I didn't get in shape, it would kill me. That's all I can tell you. But in shape, I'm okay. But still pray for me, right? But I'm doing it because the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. And I really believe God wants to do something special, and he wants to use you in a special way. And if you're not sure how to pray with somebody, just invite them, and they will come. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Father, I did my best to teach this part of the Bible. I thank you for every person listening to my voice online at TCI Correctional. Father, we thank you for a revival at TCI Correctional Facility. We thank you for stirring those men to, to bring people to church and, Father, to become disciples at a higher level. I know they're already disciples, but... And, Lord, we pray for, for this church, and we just thank you for stirring us up to be soul winners and then stirring us up to follow Jesus and become a disciple at a higher level. Father, thank you for doing that in every one of our lives. Thank you that Jesus died so we can live. Thank you that as we become a disciple, it doesn't get us to heaven, but Lord, it sets us free. It sets us free. It gives us freedom in every area of our life, and we thank you for it, Lord God. Lord, help us now some things to the, the tree to the cross, and I thank you for doing that in every one of our lives. And Lord, I thank you that I can't force anybody to do anything. I can share what you did in my life, but that's up to you. And I just ask that the Holy Spirit would work in our lives in every area and encourage us 
to obey what Jesus has taught us. I thank you for that. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Stay in an attitude of prayer. I really believe God wants to speak to some hearts. And maybe you're listening, you're not sure if you're forever. You're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven or to hell. You're just not even sure maybe that God exists. And that's okay. Only God can open your eyes up to Jesus. I can't. But, you know, he came to die. He died so you can live. And so uh, if you believe in him, and you, only he can make you see it and believe, you'll be saved. That's amazing. And I want to pray with you right now. And maybe you're listening. You say, that's me, Pastor Joe. I'll tell you what to do online. But here in the room, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Guys, can we help the people that are praying for the first time? And just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. I repent of my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of the living God. I believe you're Lord and I call on your name this day. Save my soul and thank you for changing me forever. I make a decision this day to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.